Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome again to Nerd of the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I am your host and master of ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo, and I am back uh, from my convalescence. So, uh, yeah. And uh, with me as always, this epic quest of awesomeness is ours and the gods the cat. Cat, how are you doing? I am very tired. Just tired. <laughs> this is going to be a very low-energy episode for me today, because I just don't sleep anymore. And I didn't really get a good cup of coffee today, so just uh, get ready to ride this wave. Uh, well, you got nothing on me on that score, but we'll get to that in a moment. And uh, Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Incredibly busy the last couple of days. I did an assignment for one of my uh, college classes I'm taking that was worth 15%, which I left it till the last minute like a schmuck. <clears throat> um, but feel pretty confident in how it turned out. And then I've been doing a lot of my politicking uh, the last little bit. I'm doing a bunch of stuff with uh, indigenous and disability issues right now and hoping to get some really cool uh, results out of it. So keeping my hands in about 20 different pies right now, I might die, but I just got to make it to December and then I can go away for a month. Okay. Uh, well, uh, so to answer a, a question uh, that I've, I've gotten an email a few times, uh, which is basically, where were we for all of September? Um, so just to kind of bring you guys up to speed as what's been going on, is kind of, you know, fold back the curtain a little bit as to what's been happening and where we've been and why, you know, we've been running kind of silent for so long. Um, and, you know, this is kind of get the, take things in a serious town for a little bit. Um, a, lot of that, a, lot, a lot of that's on me. Um so just to, to bring you guys up to speed, uh, back in August, I uh, was basically diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, and in September, I had to have uh, a surgery to remove the offending nut, uh, which basically put me out for a whole month. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm fine now. My prognosis is excellent. It's it, we're, we're doing surveillance going forward, so it you know it, it, it hopefully it, hopefully this battle has uh, has 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 been won. Um, so you know it's not like I'm it's not like I'm you know about to punch my ticket or anything. 
Um, so, but uh, if there's if there's you know two things I've learned uh, from this experience, it's uh, one, gentlemen, always check your cells every month. Uh, do as you know Deadpool says, you know, you know before you go shopping in the in the one man uh, produce section, you know, tweak 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 those tomatoes before you go pick go plucking a cucumber. And uh, number two, I am never leaving you two to run the show alone ever again. I don't know <laughs> what the hell happened. Uh, the edit was 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 totally sloppy. You left the lights and the equipment on. Uh, there was popcorn in the soundboard. Mike, why was there popcorn in the soundboard? Monkeys. It was absolutely monkeys. I was there. I saw the whole thing. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You. 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 you yeah. You, you will be billed for this. For the. For the damage to the soundboard, Mike. But uh, I'm not yes. Cleaning uh, it. <laughs> Uh, I am back, and we are back, and uh, we are going to finish out our year nice and strong. And uh, so with that, we're just jump right into it, starting as always with Ask a Geek, and uh, we got several questions here. Uh, it's going to be kind of piling up in our absence here. Let's see here now. Uh, first question here is uh, for all, well, it's, uh, it's for all of us, and uh, the question is, what do we think of the answer that Russell T. Davies is going to be returning as showrunner for Doctor Who? Um, so Kat, I guess we'll just start with you on this one. Have you heard about this and what are your thoughts on it? I, I did hear about it. I haven't watched Doctor Who in a few years, so I am significantly behind. Um, I loved Russell T. Davies' run on Doctor Who, so I would be very interested to see what, uh, what, what he produces. But I also don't remember if, if he was like one of those controversial guys or not. Like, I loved his run, but like, do am I am I hallucinating and remembering that maybe he wasn't that good of a person or something? I feel I like you remember something happening. I, I feel I, like I, something I, I, happened that I I am blanking out on that maybe I, meant might, that maybe he should not come back. Well, you might be thinking of um, of Christopher Eccleston's time in the first year as the Ninth Doctor. He he has since said since he left the show that the reason why he left was. Um, there was some, he had some clashes with some of the higher ups about how some of the crew were treated, uh, during that first year. I don't know if, I don't recall if he ever laid any particular sins at Davy's feet. Um, but he, he didn't feel like he was, he, he and the crew were very well treated in that first year. So that, but that's the only thing that I can think of. I don't recall any, I don't recall anything really major coming out, um, about Russell T. Davies' run. Of course, then again, by the time I got into show, he'd already left, and we were halfway through uh, Matt Smith's run as the 11th Doctor, so, you know, maybe something, you know, I, I, maybe it's just, I just, you know, maybe something happened and I just never heard about it, so I don't know. Uh, Mike, what about you? You have any, any thoughts on this? What years did he specifically run? Uh, 2000, he, he ran the first four years, so I would say probably 2005 to, well, four and a half if you count the, 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 the four David Tennant specials before Matt Smith came in, so let's say four and a half, so I'd say probably 2005 to 2009, 2010 at the latest. Um, I don't think it's a terrible choice, and I'm sure someone will come at me in the comments, you know what, fight me. Um, I'm fine with it. I mean, I just don't want them to go back to the well of here's the Daleks, here's the Cybermen, you know, here's all the greatest hits you've heard ten times before, but hey, you're gonna pay for it again. They're um, definitely doing that. I saw an article today, it was like, here's who's coming back, I'm like, oh, god. Yeah, just, for fuck's sakes. For fuck's well, sakes. I mean, well, I mean, 
it, it, it's Doctor Who. You're going to have the Daleks. You're going to have the Cybermen. In the case of the Daleks, you have to have them because there's there's something in the, the Terry Nation estate or something that says they have to be used at least once a year or some weirdness like that. But, I mean, that's that's not a problem that's been that that, that began with Russell C. Davies. That's that's something that's that's always been baked into Doctor Who is, you know, going back to the well of the of the of the classic monsters. I mean, I'm just hoping he pulls from a really good um, area of directors and writers. And when the new doctor gets cut, comes in next year, hopefully we'll see another change to the status quo. Because I haven't seen much of the female doctors run, but I like what I've seen. But I kind of felt like maybe you could have done a little bit more with it. So I don't know. Maybe we'll finally get a girl doctor who's a ginger because we've been talking about turning them ginger for like what feels like 20 years now. So just do it already. Um, so yeah, I'd be cool with whatever's going to happen. Surprise me. Get me involved in the show somehow, some way. Um, well, I, I, I said before, I, I kind of fell out of Doctor Who uh, after Peter Capaldi's first year, and I never really picked it up again. Um, I was really kind of surprised to hear the announcement because I, and again, this is, this is, I, I didn't really follow uh, David's career very closely after he left left Doctor Who, so I don't know. Maybe this is just me pulling something out of my butt, but like, I I was kind of under under the understanding that he wasn't someone who really kind of like looking back or going back to you know a well that he's already drank from. So to hear that he was coming back as the showrunner uh, was was kind of a surprise. Um, so I mean, not having watched Doctor Who for several years, I don't really have much of an opinion as to as to what it's what it's done over the last few years. And uh, you know, like I said, I've got a lot of catching up before I, I would be able to watch the new stuff anyway. So um, I don't know. I I, I kind of really don't have an opinion right now beyond just kind of, huh? That's a that's a bit of a surprise. All right, and let's see here now. Uh, next question here. This one uh, comes from it comes from Mike. And uh, it's actually, it's actually, it's from Mike to Mike. <laughs> oh, yay. Mike. Shin. Mike, Mike's writing his own questions here. Uh... <laughs> oh, handsome are you? Well, let me answer that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, the question then, uh, the question is, if you uh, could go, if you could, if you could reboot any one movie universe, what would it be? And secondary question, if you could erase one reboot, what would it be? Erase would definitely re uh, would definitely get rid of the 2014 uh, RoboCop. Some cool ideas, but ultimately feels kind of flat. If I could reboot one movie universe, that's interesting. Um, I would like to maybe reboot certain aspects of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, most notably uh, anything after number four, if I could tweak some of that continuity. And I would keep New Nightmare as is, but I would redo five and six and the reboot that happened in 2010, which doesn't really count anyway. I would erase that from existence as well. Um, if I had to do an honorable mention, maybe the Halloween franchise, but there we're going to talk about that in a few weeks anyway. So, um, yeah, that'd probably be what I'd end up doing. Okay. All right, and uh, okay. Next question here is for me, and uh, it's from Rick. And he asks, uh, "What are some of my favorite some of my favorite horror games to play around Halloween?" Uh, well, uh, as as a retro collector, I'm always an advocate of the classics. So uh, some of my favorites are Silent Hill One and Two, 
the Resident Evil remake, uh, which was originally on the GameCube, but now is on just about every any console you'd care to name. Excuse me. Um, Fatal Frame 2, Crimson Butterfly, that, that's one that always uh, gets me jumping out of my seat, no matter how many times I've played it. Um, and then this one, this is, this is one that kind of surprises people, but, uh, I ha- I, I have always been willing to go to bat for Doom 3. It's very much the, the black sheep of the franchise because it took a much more slower, horror-based tone than the runny-gunny, shooty-shooty, blow-everything-up action of the rest of the series. Um, but I feel like that, that Doom 3 did what it did very well. Um, so if you play that just kind of on its own and kind of take away the baggage uh, associated with the rest of the franchise, I think Doom 3 makes for a, a, a very neat little horror game. Um, and then a couple that uh, I, 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 I don't see a lot of people talk about uh, very often, which kind of kind of is a bit of a shame because they're, they're really great games worth playing. Uh, one of them is an older title, and that's uh, Clive Barker's Undying, uh, which is a... It's a very fun little uh, horror first-person shooter, um, and another one that uh, I will always go to bat for, and it's one of my favorite games of all time, System Shock 2, uh, which is still just one of the most terrifying games I've ever played, um, and I have a very unhealthy relationship with uh, its its main villain, Shodan, but uh, that's, uh, that's a discussion for another uh, for another day. <laughs> so yeah, so those are some of my favorite uh, so those are some of my favorite horror games to play around Halloween. So uh, yeah. Uh, you know, check some of those out if you'd like. Um, I know that a lot of the older ones are available on GOG.com. Um, some of the others, like the like Fatal Frame Two, you might have a little bit of a trouble getting a hold of because um, they're they were older console games. I think Fatal Frame Two was on the original Xbox and the PlayStation Two. Um, but most of the others, you shouldn't have any real trouble getting a hold of if you know where to look. And uh, let's see here now. Uh, okay, next question here. This one comes from Tom, and it's for all of us. And uh, his question is, what are some of our favorite Halloween specials? And Tom, you are in luck, because that is actually the discussion topic for this episode. So you stick around for just a couple for just a couple moments. We'll just get right on that. Uh, but as for the rest of you, thank you for sending your questions in. As always, you can send them to us through the email at drgonzo at nerdtothethirdpower.com. We love getting your questions, love reading them on the air, so go ahead and get your questions in, and you just might get yours read on the show. And uh, as uh, I said in that uh, boss segue a couple moments back, our discussion topic this week is is our favorite Halloween shows and specials. So you know, it seems like every year around Halloween, uh, you know, all the the, the major uh, television shows they have like some kind of special Halloween episode. Uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror is uh, the, one of the the ones that's been the longest running, but you know, other shows have done their own Halloween episodes. And then there's also some uh, some horror anthology shows uh, that. Uh, you know, really kind of brought their A game around Halloween. So we thought we it would be fun to kind of talk about uh, some of our favorite Halloween specials. So uh, yeah, so let's just jump right in. So Mike, let's uh, let's start with you. What's one of your favorite uh, Hall- one of your favorite uh, Halloween shows that you like to watch around this time of year? Well, uh, one show that I'm a big fan of, and the show do- doesn't get nearly enough love as I think it deserves. Uh, it was released back in 2007, ran for about two years, I think. 24 episodes and it's called masters of horror and it's an anthology series where each uh episode is a mini movie that's about a 45 minutes to an hour they'll pick famous horror directors like uh joe dante mick garris toby hooper dario argento wes craven before he passed away 
and stuff like that. And it's just, it's a fantastic show and nobody talks about it. And um, the reason I really like it is because it explores really weird ideas, some disturbing ideas. Like the one episode that really caught my attention um, back in the day when I was uh, getting more physical product uh, to review uh, for This Week in Geek, I, I got a company called uh, Anchor Bay and they sent me this Master of Horror disc because back then you couldn't get the episodes until the end of the season and then they give you a really cool case for it. The episode I saw, I think it was called Hackle's Tale or something like that. And it basically, the story is a guy who's recently lost his wife. She's passed away or something. And he approaches this old woman who is a necromancer. And she says to him, or the guy says, I want to bring my wife back from the dead. I miss her. I'm so lonely. I don't know what to do. Will you help me? And she's like, I won't help you just yet. So sit down for a moment and let me tell you. And if you still want me to do it after I tell you everything, then I will. So she tells a story about a guy who... Um, Really, it boils down to he couldn't satisfy his wife. It didn't matter what he bought her, didn't matter what anything he did, just something was wrong. And long story short, there's a really shocking turn as to why he can't satisfy her. And I was like, holy shit, you can do this on cable? And uh, it blew me away because I didn't expect to see that level of frankly depravity and the subject matter that it took on and then the story cuts back to the present and the guy freaks out he's like oh my god i'm sorry i asked i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and he runs out and i was like holy shit and then there's another uh episode i can't remember who the the director was but it was more in the line of goofy and fucked up and the episode it's called we we all scream for ice cream and it's about a killer who died in like the 50s or 60s and comes back as what looks like Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal. And he has the ability to turn you into ice cream and kill you. It's fucking stupid, but it's amazingly stupid. Um, and then the final episode, uh, basically, what if your country's founding fathers, like George Washington, etc., etc., when they founded this country, what if they were cannibals? And hilarity ensues. Um, it's so strange. It's so weird. Um, the series, I really wish more people would talk. I think you can buy it on Apple right now. I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, it is really worth picking up in whatever format you can. I don't know if it's available to stream anywhere legally. And I don't advocate piracy. But the entire series is worth tracking down, especially the second season where things get a little weirder. And that DVD case is shaped like a human skull. And it's remarkably cool and surprisingly solid for a DVD collection. Um, and then there was one episode that was never aired on TV that came out of uh, Japan. Um, there's a very famous Japanese horror movie, and it involves somebody putting stuff under a guy's fingernails. This goes a little bit beyond that. So it's really worth kind of checking out if you're a whorehound. Okay, yeah, I I, I remember I remember hearing about Mash's horrors. For some reason, they kept on confusing it with with American Horror Story. 
Um, don't Which know why. Che- yeah, and American Horror Story is an- another series that's worth kind of checking out. I've only recently gotten into it. I really started with American Horror Story 1984 because it was basically, here's Friday the 13th, the series starring uh, Skinner from the X-Files, Mitch Pileggi. So it's amazing and strange and such an homage that it's worth checking out on its own. And I know the other American Horror Stories are all connected, but 1984 was completely separate, so that's where I jumped in, and it's been pretty cool so far. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'll go next. So, one of the, I, I, I kind of took a bit more of a, a lighthearted uh, direction with uh, with my choices, uh, and one of the th- you know one of the the, the the shows that I always like to watch around Halloween. You know, we've all heard the, the 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 jokes, and I tend to agree with them that The Simpsons is just way past its prime; that it hasn't been. It's it's, ne- it ha- it's never been nearly as funny as it was uh, in in the '90s. It, you know, it's kind of gotten to be a bit of a dinosaur. But that said, the Treehouse of Horror specials have always been appointment TV viewing for me. I just absolutely love them. Um, but my favorite ones, like I said, are always the ones the, from like the first like like eight or nine years of the show. Um, just some of the, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of the early uh, stories in the in the in the early Trias of Horror specials were send-ups of classic Twilight Zone episodes. I think like the first like six years, at least one of the the the, the shorts that they did was a send-up of a Twilight Zone episode. Um, so like to, like uh, Hungry Are the Damned from the first year that was a send-up of To Serve Man, uh, Homer Cubed, the one where he goes to the, com- the where Homer gets trapped in the computer animated world that was a send-up of Little Girl Lost. Um, the the one where Bart has the the telekinetic powers that's a send up of uh, it's a it's a good life, uh, and I love the way The Simpsons would take these like these really kind of fucked up stories from the Twilight Zone and turn them into into something really humorous. Uh, like, and they contain some of my favorite Simpsons lines ever. Like one of the one of the the, the jokes from uh, the Monkey's Paw story is uh, Lisa wishes for world peace. You know, and she gets her she gets her wish as a finger curls on the paw, and you know everyone you know all, everyone around the world destroys all their weapons and joins hands, but and you know starts singing kumbaya. But because you know all of we've, we've destroyed all our weapons, now we're ripe for alien invasions. Invasion. So here come Kang and Kodos, who conquer the entire planet with nothing more than a slingshot and a club. And uh, there's a scene near the end of the story where uh, Homer throws away the the monkey's paw. And Ned Flanders picks it up as you see in the background Kang chasing Mo with a slingshot. And Ned says, well, you know, I, I think the first thing I'd like to wish for is to get rid of these awful aliens. And you see in the background now Mo's chasing Kang. And Kang's like, oh, run, he's got a board with a nail in it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they, they, they defeat us. Oh, yes, they've, they, they, we, we can't stand up to their board and nail technology. But, you know, they'll build bigger boards with bigger nails until one day they build a board with a nail so big that they destroy themselves. And I just, I, I, I absolutely love the, the Treehouse of Horror specials. Like, even today, like, you can tell that, like, the writing staff just really, get, really gets to go nuts and have a lot of fun uh, with, the, with, the, with the Halloween shows. Um, so, like I said, some of my, some of my favorite segments... Um, the Monkey's Paw, Hungry Are the Damned, Homer Cubed is probably my favorite, uh, well, one of my favorites, but I, I think my absolute favorite one is, uh, the one where, uh, Lisa and Bart, in an attempt to bring back their, their, their dead cat, wind up raising the dead. Uh, so you, you, you 
the they wind up raising all these uh, all these zombies and one of, one of my favorite lines uh he's just rattling off the name now because like all but two of them are have like gone out of bet out of business so like you know you start going like you know kmart caldor walmart it's like you know people look just like well okay well wh why is walmart in that list what what, what 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 are these other what are these other names so uh the the, the treehouse of horror specials are I think still like the Simpsons it, at their best. So I think uh, that's, that's the only time they let the writing staff off the chain. And I can only imagine what it's like to be in that particular kind of writer's room. People begging and pitching ideas every year to work on something that doesn't frankly suck nine times out of ten. I mean, even and the, 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 you know, but like even like the the like some of the later ones, the, the one thing I don't like about the, 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 you know, the Treehouse of Horror specials over the last few years is, you know, they've all gotten really kind of, they're, it's really easy to date mm. them. So like, you know, the one from a couple years ago had one that was just a long parody of Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, and those ones I don't really like as much because like I said, it's, it's very easy to, 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 to date those, those episodes, to date those episodes. Like, you know the, the yeah the Twilight Zone episodes are more timeless. Yeah, they're pulling from from older pop culture, but they're they're, they're the stories are 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 simple are simple enough and versatile enough that you can write jokes that don't hinge on you living in you know being familiar with the with with the the source material or having to have lived in that particular moment in time. Whereas you know the Game of Thrones parodies, you know it very much relied on you being familiar with the actual Game of Thrones TV show. Yeah, it just seems like the last couple of years have been, here's a pop culture reference, and you're absolutely right. They're more dated, whereas the earlier things had a timeless quality to them that can easily be updatable if they wanted to, but the writing was so strong, it didn't need to be. You know, I mean, Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders. He was a zombie? You know, that will always be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, a, a joke on, you know, on saw you know, or something yeah that's a, that's a little a little a little less so so but yeah so that's uh that's one of my favorite uh halloween shows to watch is like i said the, the simpsons treehouse of horror specials those are always appointment television watching for me uh and uh cat i'm interested to hear uh what uh what you've got to uh to, to bring to the table this week I'm honestly surprised you need to ask because I feel like every year when we talk about Halloween, I talk about the same thing because to be honest, I can't remember very many Halloween specials, not in the same way that like I remember like Christmas specials and stuff like that. So I always default to my favorite Halloween episode of any TV show that I can actually remember having one. And that is the second season Buffy with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Halloween episode um, where... Uh, a bunch of the characters buy their costumes from like a magical costume shop and then they just turn into whatever their costumes are. Because that is a really enchanting idea. Like, if you knew it was going to happen, you could really go and get a really good time out of your Halloween if you could turn into your costume. Um, it's just all over. It's just a, like a really fun episode. Uh, like, Buffy turns into this like helpless 18th century damsel. And uh, Willow turns into a ghost and Xander turns into like this badass army dude. And like that part at least has ramifications for later down the series. The other ones, not so much, but like, um, yeah, I just think there's, there's, this episode has some particularly interesting character interactions. A lot of, um, like, like awesome bad guy. Awesome bad guy. Uh, like, actually one of the best bad guys in Buffy. Um, I think that's the episode he's introduced in. Uh, yeah, I think Ethan, so. Ethan Rain, Rain. Or? Yeah, Ethan Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the best bad guys, especially because he's like Giles' nemesis. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's just such a fun, like, just a doofy fun episode. Um, nothing too crazy, too heavy. Nothing like over the top or too hammy. It's just it's just fun because people had to have solutions without Buffy being like, okay, I'm the Slayer, I'll take care of the problem. And then that's it. So it was kind of just a fun episode, but I really like the idea of like, as soon as you watch it, you're like, okay, if I could turn it into one of my Halloween costumes, what would it be? And I think that that concept is a lot of fun. So, so if you could turn into one of your Halloween costumes, which costume would it be? God, okay, what have I done for Halloween? I have a tendency to pull out my Harry Potter like Hogwarts robes because it's just really easy to pull those out of the closet. So I think that one would actually be okay because then I could be a like a like a wizard and or a witch, I guess, and I could fucking do magic. And even if that were only for one day, that would be pretty good. <laughs> You know, you're right. You do, you do kind of the default to the Buffy episode. There, there is a Halloween, uh, Halloween episode though that I'm surprised that you've never brought up, especially considering that it's from a show that I know that you are like a super huge fan of, and that's the Halloween episode of Gargoyles. I'm surprised you've never brought that one up. Love Gargoyles, but I can't remember a lot of the show. <laughs> what oh, happens see- in Gargoyles? Because I don't remember. Oh, the, well, it's 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 Halloween night, and the gargoyles can actually like go down onto the streets and walk among humans without like oh. people running and screaming and acting like monsters and, and going ah monsters. And Aliza uh, dresses up as Belle, and they do, and she and Goliath do like a Beauty and the Beast dance. Oh, that's sweet. I literally don't remember seeing this, but I bet I did watch it a long time ago. Yeah, that's and a, that's uh, a funny uh, contrast to the um, 
to the Buffy episode, or every, uh, there's three Halloween episodes of Buffy, and it is specified in these episodes that the monsters don't come out because they consider it too garish. So, like, <laughs> all the vampires and shit just take one night off. But yeah, like, they, 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 they go down to the street and they actually, like, enjoy the festivities, and Lexington is dressed like a pilot. He's got, like, you know the the pilot goggles, you know, over over his wings and the rest of his and, and his loincloth and shit. And he's like, oh, they should have Halloween every day. <laughs> yes. Oh, I do love gargoyles. Yeah, so I, I'm, I need I'm, to find that now. Damn it! It's on Disney Plus. Oh my god, that's right. Gargoyles is on Disney Plus. I know what I'm doing the next time I have free time, whenever that may be. <laughs> so yeah, okay, all right. Uh, Mike, what's, uh, what's, what, what, what's your other pick? Because we had, we had to limit you to just two because yeah. we, 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 we were discussing what we were doing this episode. It was like, Oh, I'm going to talk about this, 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 that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, you, okay, you have to pick two <laughs> because other people need to have a turn to talk to. Okay. So this is a fairly new series, yet another anthology, but shorter, which is kind of cool. So this is a series that is exclusive to Shudder, which is about five bucks to $7 a month. Incredible horror streaming service. In fact, it's worth it. There's some really cool stuff on there. But the show I'm talking about is a adaptation of the 1980s classic Stephen King movie, Creep Show. So the titular creep, this zombie looking crypt keeper asshole, uh, will tell <laughs> you a story via a comic book. And typically you get two things per episode lasting each about 20 minutes a piece. And the show really hit its stride in season two. Season three is airing right now. And the episode that caught me was, uh, I think, I think it was called house of the dead. I don't think I got the episode title correct, but basically this person has a dollhouse. It's a video game, not a TV show. <laughs> so this person has a dollhouse and there are dolls in it. And every so often, one of these dolls gets murdered, like torn apart. So the kid gets the idea, well, um, the family got hurt. I'll put a, a cop doll in there. And then the cop doll changes position in the house. And it looks like it's going upstairs and there's been another murder. And this little creepy severed head thing keeps moving around the house and the kid gets more and more frightened as she starts to hear things and terrible things happen in the real world and it's just it's fucked up and amazing but what really sold me on it was they had an episode called public broadcast of the dead or something like that i don't know i can't remember the name but basically what if bob ross the painter the most wholesome man since mr rogers was Ash from Evil Dead involving the literal Necronomicon, which is being sold on uh, Vintage Roadshow or Antiques Roadshow, and that gets appraised, and while the appraiser's reading the book, summons deadites, literal, canonical deadites. And it's them trying to prevent the signal of them reading the Necronomicon over the air to raise other... Um, other evil dead spirits and it's an amazingly fun show um then there's another episode called the right snuff and the right snuff involves two astronauts who are going to mars one of them is fated to make alien contact with the first time in galactic history the universe has been watching us they're ready to welcome us into galactic civilization one of them gets jealous 
and it doesn't end very well for humanity. Um, another one has Keith David playing the devil, so Spawn himself, the guy from um, They Live, is an amazingly cool bad guy. And there's just so many good episodes. They actually had one last year. It was the season finale. It involved, I think it was Justin Long, uh, and they inserted him via the Forrest Gump technology where they blended a person into older footage. They put him in a 1972 Peter Cushing movie with Christopher Lee. So Dracula and Van Helsing in the same movie, and he's interacting with all these scenes, and it's really quite uh, incredible to watch considering the budgetary, the budgetary constraints they had to do. Then there's like a killer hairball, Nazi werewolves, and a bunch of other really strange shit. The show has special effects by Greg Nicotaro, guy trained other Tom Savini, also does a lot of the Walking Dead stuff. Um, I think he executive produces it. I don't know whether there's special effects. Either way, it's fantastic. Um, and it's a great idea to take the horror anthology of Creepshow 1 through 2. I don't consider 3 and 4 canonical because they're bullshit. Um, but yeah, they are incredible. The fact that it's on Shudder is a little bit of a problem, which means its audience is somewhat limited. Um, but it always gets really good ratings. Season three, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm going to binge it the week before Halloween actually starts. And uh, I think, folks, if you enjoy short little bite-sized horror, then you're really going to enjoy it. The gore factors there, the fun factors there. There's always dark humor, and it's underappreciated. And I wish more people would be talking about Creep Show in 2021. Okay. All righty. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that'll be uh, that'll be worth that'll be uh, worth checking out. All right. So I guess uh, I guess I'm next with my second choice. And again, I took more of a comedic bent. So uh, one of my one of my favorite uh, one, one of my favorite shows, and it's one of the, it's actually one of the few shows that I watch on the regular. Um, because like I said, I watch very little television as a rule. But this is this is a show. This is one of the few shows that's actually appointment television watching for me, and that's Bob's Burgers. Um. And my favorite episodes of Bob's Burgers are always the ones focused on the kids. Luis is just my absolute favorite character on the show. Um, so naturally, you know, it, it, it makes sense that that uh, because Halloween is very much a kid's holiday that, you know, some of my favorite episodes of the show would be some of the Halloween episodes. And there's 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 two in particular. Let me pull up my notes here so I can get their placement right. Okay, so there's there's three in particular uh, that I that I really enjoy. Uh, the first is uh, season three, episode two, which is titled "Full Bars," and uh, it's the, the story of that episode. Luis, T Tina, and Jean decide that they're old enough to go trick or treating on their own, uh, but rather than go trick or treating in their regular you know dumpy neighborhood, they decide to go where the rich people live to Kingshead Island. And uh, they discover that all the houses there uh, give away full-size candy bars. And I just love their reaction when they discover this. Like, Louise is like, oh, my God, she, she, she gave us full of bars. Did, did she realize that she was doing this? Was it an accident? And Jean's like, how does this not topple your economy? And it's just... <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just... It's... it's, it's I just I just love that episode because the the, the concept of getting full bars uh, for for trick or treating, you know, it's one of those things that like every kid growing up, you know, we always we always heard about neighbor uh, about that house that gave away full bars, but nobody can ever ever tell you which one it was. But we all swore 
We knew that one kid who he got a full he got full bars at this one house. You know, and it was always like kind of the guessing game trying to find what that one house is. And it's it was just it's just I, I love that I love that episode so much. I also love that they, that the kids always come up with some really creative with uh, some really creative uh, costumes. So like in that episode, Luis was uh, Edward Scissorhands. She's walking around with a pair of scissors in each hand, you know, throughout the evening. Uh, Jean was dressed up as as in his words, Queen Latifah from her UNITY phase. Um, and Tina was a, a mummy mommy. She'd wrapped herself up and herself and a baby and a baby doll up in toilet paper. So she was a, a, a mummy who was, in her words, she was a mummy who was a mommy, you know, sing, a single mummy who worked two jobs and was just trying to put herself out there. Um, and then the the next Halloween episode that I particularly enjoy is uh, season four, episode two, Fortnite, uh, where in an effort to escape uh, from this this classmate of hers, this basically stalking her, Luis and uh, and Jean and Tina and a couple of their friends uh, hide in this fort that they've built uh, behind the restaurant, and they wind up getting trapped there uh, by a, a, a delivery truck parking in front of their their fort for the evening and one of the things that i love about that episode is one of the characters you know he he talks about he follows this blog called candy randy who had, who created this map called the treasure trail that shows like you know all the must visit houses and all the must avoid houses and i really love that that bit because you know every everyone's got their 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 kind of halloween uh rituals and traditions like you know okay you always go down this this route because you get the best candy there you stay away from these houses because you might get you know, uh, bad candy or pencils or erasers or pennies, which I just want to say it's fucking 2021. It's fucking 2020. It's wow. It is really hard to say the, 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 the current year without getting your tongue tied. I don't say it's fucking 2021. If I find out that like you, you're giving out pennies in this day and age, like you deserve to have your house just egged to oblivion. There's just like, you know, you, you can't buy penny candy anymore. It costs a nickel. Penny's not going to get you anywhere. Um, but it's like, you know, we all have, you know, growing up, we always had like those, those, those rituals. Like, you know, what houses do you go to? What houses do you avoid? You know, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just a night of kids being kids. And I just, I love those, those kinds of stories. One and of the then, things, oh, um, sorry, Gonzo, you brought up something exceptionally relevant i thought because when you mentioned the candy randy do you wonder if something like that actually exists kind of locally for like facebook pages for kids or something like that oh my god like think I, about I, that i mean is, I is there some, I, some like child developed an app nowadays so that kids can like figure out like map out the best houses to go to this is something guys i i don't know it. I don't know, but I can tell you from from when I was coming up, there was this there was this one kid. Um, uh, his name was uh, his name was was Charlie Dunham, and like he was like the guy to follow for trick or treating every year because he like he knew all the best houses, and like he, he, like every, 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 I don't know if it was just like. He knew like he had like some kind of optimized route or something, but like every year, if you if you followed him around, you got like, you know, two and a half times as many can as much as much candy as anyone else, you know, My in the God. neighborhood. It was like fucking weird. Like I don't I don't know how he did it. Like the day he moved away, it just like it it just rattled, you know, the candy economy in, in my neighborhood coming up. <laughs> so, um. And then the third Halloween episode that we're like kind of getting away from the trick or treating theme is season. 
Season six, episode three, the haunting, and this one's a this one's a, a kind of a haunted house story. So, the plot of this one is like the family wants to go to a haunted house for Halloween, and Luis is kind of like you know, not really into it because she never gets scared. And it shows you this montage of like you know her going through different haunted houses, like you know, sir, you're just you're just your 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 chainsaw is made of cardboard and you're just making noises with your mouth. You know, it's it's kind of embarrassing. You know, so uh, the you know. Bob and Linda decide that oh well, we're gonna we're gonna do our own haunted house and we're definitely gonna scare you, and uh, they take the kids to this house you know in in kind of the middle of nowhere and they try and do just the they do just like the absolute worst haunted house imaginable, um, but then it turns into like a slasher movie where there's this old man who was staring at them as they pulled in and you know the power goes out in the house and it basically turns into like a, a giant a, a giant into a, a giant slasher film send up. Uh, and at the end of it, it's revealed that the whole thing has been a setup specifically to scare Louise and like the whole family and everybody was in on it. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's a really great episode, really well written and a really creative twist on, you know, the, the, the Halloween slasher special that I've seen just so many times, you know, where they'll send up, they'll, they'll do a send up of like scream or something and it'll just be like just a straight up reenactment. This one was, had, had a kind of a real neat little twist on the formula and like i said it, 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 a lot of them is just stories of just like kids being kids and i just kind of love those stories around halloween and uh i think with that if we're going to talk about halloween specials there's one that we absolutely have to talk about it is the the required viewing required halloween viewing and that is it's the great pumpkin charlie brown i'm not even gonna bother going to synopsis on this one because we have all seen this one i absolutely know that so uh yes. Kat, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us your 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 thoughts on this special first? Um, it, it's just such a classic. It's it's like timeless and and cute and you know like it's just good. You guys like it. It's so harmless and just fun, and it's not scary. It's just funny, um, and it's very memeable, as we all know from Charlie Brown's "I've Got a Rock." Like, <laughs> I I think it's just. It's so cute, and like all the other, like Charlie Brown, like the Christmas specials and stuff. It just has that sort of timeless quality to it that makes it required viewing. At least I will say for American kids, I don't know what the rest of the world has uh, going on for themselves in their relationship with the Charlie Brown specials, but they're pretty much required viewing here. They're just fun. They're just fun. You know all the lines. You know all the beats. Nothing surprises you, and yet we watch it. Now, Mike, we were we were kind of kind of touched on this before the episode. You have a, you've got you've got some unique feelings towards this. You uh, have a bone to pick, a spicy take, a ghost pepper take. I fucking hate this special. So last year, I watched it for the first time. I watched it with Blair, who's my wife, and I think my friend Alex, and we're watching it. And I was like, "This is fucking it." I've been waiting almost forty years. To watch it, and this is it. I I really thought the Great Pumpkin would actually show up, and I thought you know it would be a cute little ghost spirit or you know something kind of playful. But nah, the motherfucker never shows, and I was like, "You bastard!" I felt genuinely ripped off. I remember looking at Blair, who was so happy she showed this to me. I'm like, "Man, fuck you." I'm a terrible person. Um, now, I have had 40 years of hype 
built up for that. And I really thought it was going to be something timeless and amazing and magical. And Cat's right. It is cute, harmless, and definitely a product of its time. But I expected something more from it. Like, for some reason, I thought it was going to be that sort of Rankin-Bass uh, timeless classic, right? Like, it was going to be something that, you know, it was going to be, like, e essential viewing. And for me... Maybe I'm too cynical. Maybe I grew up on the long, on the wrong shit, which is pretty evident. Um, it just, I was like, wow, I don't like this at all, but I like the other peanut stuff except this. So I don't know. Like I said, that's my ghost pepper take. I'm sure someone will eviscerate me, but I didn't like it. I felt really shitty that the great pumpkin never show, but as Kat put it during our earlier conversation, the great pumpkin is in our hearts. It's, it's funny because, like, I think as a kid, I didn't really have any appreciation for uh, the sort of... Um, there's a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of themes of futility <laughs> in Charlie Brown that I didn't get as a kid. And I read, like, literally every comic as a kid. My dad had all the, like, comic, the, like, bound comic books from the 70s. And I read every single one of them, like, a million times. And as a kid, it didn't, it was like, oh, funny, funny, funny. I didn't get the, the sort of, there's just like this little bit of nihilism in them that is always evidenced by every time um, Lucy puts down that football, Charlie Brown is going to get tricked into kicking it. And it's just this sort of inevitability and futility. And there, that is kind of present in a lot of Charlie Brown stuff. And the staying up and waiting for the great pumpkin that will never come is just another one of those sort of, I don't know. It's, it's just sort of this futile effort that people continue to make. And it's like, I think it's, it's a lesson Man. in not just futility, but in hope that Man. Linus is always going to look for him because he believes. And that's, that's everybody knows he's not coming because the great pumpkin's not real, but there's hope. Cat, well, the moment you... I've fallen in love with you because you've given me the best deep psychological analysis of it ever, ever. It's, it's something that I, I've literally never thought about until you said you didn't like it for that reason. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why do I like it? Oh, this is what the whole thing is about. It's, it's, it's this whole thing. And it's just something that it doesn't really cross your mind as a kid, but as an adult, you're like, Oh God, this is sort of thematic of the Charlie Brown, like all the different things is like in the Christmas special, you, you dress up the sad little tree and make it good because it, the sad little tree can fill you with hope. Well, uh, if you if, if on, on that note, if you do want to see uh, the Great Pumpkin as a uh, you know the, the slavery monster that I'm sure that you're imagining it to be, <laughs> uh, longtime listeners will recall that uh, a while back we had Jason Youngbluth, uh, off the creator of Deep Fried and Weapon Brown, as a guest on this show, and because uh, kind of a refresher course, Weapon Brown is basically a mashup of uh, of Peanuts meets Mad Max. Uh, and one of the stories in that uh, universe that Youngbluth uh, did, and he I, he run he reruns it every year around Halloween, uh, basically has Linus as this dark priest who who worships the Great Pumpkin, and every ha Halloween he reruns the story uh, where he tries to sacrifice uh, Sally Brown uh, to the Great Pumpkin, who turns out to be this like eldritch uh, this this eldritch Cthulhu type creature. 
uh, and it actually winds up being a prequel to the whole uh, Weapon Brown mythos. Uh, but he he reruns that every year, and it's 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 a really fun, if somewhat twisted, very twisted. Seriously, this is like not uh, this is definitely not not for the wee ones. Definitely not safe for work uh, type stuff. Um, but it's it's if you if you want to see a really really kind of twisted take on the whole great pumpkin thing, uh, what is deepfried.com, Weapon Brown, uh, definitely worth checking out if you want to see some some really twisted twisted uh, <clears throat> excuse me some really twisted takes on peanuts and newspaper comics in general. So, uh, but that is about all the time that we have for this week. So, uh, listeners, what are some of your favorite Halloween shows and specials? Sound off in the comments. We always love hearing from you guys. And, uh, with that, we will see you guys next time. Thank you as always for tuning in. As always, I'm Dr. Gonzo. I'm the cat. I'm Mike the Birdman. And be sure to check out Chucky and Day of the Dead on Sci-Fi this week if you want some more horror stuff that you should check out. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Taka, play us out.